0: a wicked mystery, a paranormal perfect storm known simply as Monsterland. The Monsterland podcast is recorded live in an undisclosed location somewhere in the heart of high strangeness, just outside of Monsterland, Massachusetts. And now, here are your hosts, paranormal author, researcher, and speaker, Ronnie LeBlanc, and the host of the Curse of Oak Island, drilling down on the History Channel, Maddie Blake. Ah,
1: oh, that sounds so good—the familiar strains of the Monsterland podcast theme song. Greetings, monsters! It's your old pal, Maddie. Ronnie. On assignment, which we'll talk about in a minute. Ronnie is not here. I come to you from Matty Road Studios, which is my home voiceover booth. Matty Road, man. Matty Road. We've missed you. This is a unique little treat here. Um, I have an announcement. Well, it's a non-announcement. I just need to tell you that uh, there is news coming in what will be season three that will change everything. This is a big one. This is going to be a fun one. So, I guess I am being vague to create a tease, a sense of anticipation, but I just was trying to give you context of why my partner is not here. There is an exciting and awesome reason why. So, why this episode? Why this little bonus episode in between seasons? Well, a funny thing happened. Um, First of all, let me just say, also, there's so much news that Ronnie and I would have, had he been available, done a micro episode about in between seasons like this new fbi file about bigfoot some more ufo news that has come across everyone's attention in the past weeks that we will address you know it's funny it's almost getting like we were part of a little group a little secret cadre of people that believed in this stuff and everyone was against us but now it's it seems like even from Bigfoot on to UFOs it's just all being revealed and we've we've said that since day 1 of this podcast. I think we started this podcast right on the cusp of that all happening. So it's been a journey that we're processing as we're living through something. It's kind of cool. It's like um it's like an audio history if you will of a moment in time where this stuff is kind of being disclosed to us and our reaction to it. So we'll we'll get into the news stories when we get back. We absolutely would have, um, hit on those. But a funny thing happened, um, in our final episode, you, you know, I had referenced a guy named John Hogg, lead singer of my favorite current band, the Magpie Salute, um, and I was in talks with him to do an interview with him for our artist's Paranormal Connection episode, and, um... I just, quite frankly, I think I said this in that season finale. I didn't want to push too hard. He's a uh, touring rock star, and I know how busy he is, and I didn't want to, you know, bother him. But out of the blue, after we were done with the season finale, he kind of uh, popped up in my messages and just said, Hey, mate, let's do this. I'd love to talk to you about this stuff. And I thought to myself, well, that's 100% I'm going to do that. And so I recorded an interview, and in my mind, I thought, don't take more than... 15-20 15-20 minutes of this guy's time um, and we ended up talking for 90 minutes so <laughs> if that gives you any idea of how the conversation went I've met John several times over the years as a fan of that band over the last couple of years he came on my radio show in Boston every time I meet him I am just you know and he's just the warmest nicest guy he really he's a great listener and he's interested he's curious and I just love that in a human being um I just find them endlessly fascinating. And I just figured you would too. This whole journey of this podcast is Ronnie and I sharing with you what fascinates us. You know, for right or for wrong, some of it you might not care about. Some of it you might love too. And if, you've, if you're if you with us still at this point, chances are we're hitting some uh, notes that y'all love too. So I just figured there's no way I'm keeping this to myself. Um, I've shortened it a little bit, I you know, because 90 minutes, a lot of it was me asking him fan geek questions about the Magpie salute uh, and music. And um, I wanted to try to stay on topic as much as I could. But you'll hear a really interesting, interesting cat. This guy is a true artist. And we even get into the process by which he creates his music and just how metaphysical or quote unquote paranormal that may be. We talk about his family history. Him and I have some similarities there. But it's just a thrill for me to talk to someone who I admire so greatly as an artist and as a person, someone that I spend hours and hours and hours of my life relating to and listening to, um, and then to just be able to have a conversation with them about a subject that we share a fascination for. I mean, this is what I love to do. This is right in my wheelhouse. And I know Ronnie feels the same. Ronnie wished he could have been on that call, but as I've already mentioned. uh... Look, I think it's quite clear he's a spy, all right? He's just a straight-up spy, and he's doing spy shit, and we'll reveal all that uh, later. So I just hope you enjoy. This will kind of keep you satiated as we wait for our new season to begin. As I record this in my studio, I'm about to head to Oak Island myself very shortly, so we don't know. We just don't know how we're going to record this and when and where yet but I promise you it won't be too long. Even if we have to do this type of thing for a little while, while I'm on Oak, as you'll hear in this actually interview, I found an app that records phone conversations, so maybe Ronnie and I could do a couple of those in a pinch, if it's if we feel like it's been too long, even when we're on this hiatus. Here is the great John Hogg, um, an amazing singer, amazing vocalist, amazing musician, I encourage you to check out the Magpie Salute and their music. And even if you don't, if that's not your style, if you don't love the rock and roll like I do, the rock and roll, um, then at least you're going to hear a kick-ass interview with a really fascinating guy who has experienced a lot of paranormal stuff. So, without further ado, here is the great John Hogg, and we will talk to you soon, monsters. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, One final note in editing this interview... Uh, There's one point you'll hear where John talks about a musician, a friend of his, who passes away. John and his musician friends found this friend deceased in his flat. And during the editing of that part of the interview, I started getting all these kind of weird anomalies. I edited most of them out. Maybe I shouldn't have, but it was so distracting. You'll hear at times my my voice starts echoing. Um, It's the only time in the interview that something like that happened. So just throwing it out there. Could be nothing. Could be his friend saying hi. Here's John Hogg. I think it was backstage we
2: talked in Florida. I went and saw you guys in Florida by myself on vacation. And I mentioned the Paranormal Podcast, and your eyes kind of lit up when I said paranormal. Tell tell me about your journey and things that are unexplainable.
3: Um, Well, I guess my Experience. My mum passed away a couple of years ago, but I had most of my experiences of that kind of thing with her. You know, we would there was a lot of things. There were, you know, we would have the same dreams, and uh, yeah. or I would have a dream that she, you know, she was having, and I'd kind of wake up, and she would tell me about what I'd just been dreaming, and that was kind of a bit weird. So, Whoa. There was, I think, yeah, there's. I mean, she was. I don't know. I mean, I've talked to Rich about this stuff because I I think culturally people are in tune with each other in different ways that, that are, you know, what we think of as or what we call paranormal or kind of difficult to explain stuff isn't necessarily difficult to explain in another culture. They just kind of assume it's, Mm. you know, like, what do you call them, like uh, guardian angels and stuff. You know, like, there's, I think it's, I think the fact that my mum came from a culture where certain aspects of the way that we would connect with each other as human beings were not out of bounds or anything. I mean, I do think she sort of chose to leave it not out of bounds, where it, you know, I mean, she, she would be. Um, I got two brothers, I've got an older and a younger brother, you know, and physicist, older brother, and very intelligent chaps, and we, we've had, a, we've had a lot of experiences like that, you know, that seem to be mm-hmm. kind of in, enhanced by the fact that my mother had an openness to it, you
2: know. When you reference a cultural background, did she come from mm. a, a cultural background? Oh, yeah, she, she came accepted? from Nigeria.
3: She came from Nigeria uh-huh. in the south. She was Ibo Nigerian, and and she came over like in the 50s, You know, like when there were the Jamaicans and Indians and you know, basically there were, there was a, from what I understand from my dad, that in the fifties as a as a post-war rebuilding program, if you like, right. They yeah. were in, they were actually offering citizenship, so I guess that's what her and my dad did because he came over from Sweden and she came over from Nigeria and, and I was just huh. all born in London. <laughs> Still
4: live here. Wow.
3: <laughs> well, I cl- I closed I closed last week's episode
2: with your song Colorblind. I've had oh, you know, well, podcast. Yeah, yeah. I can do whatever I want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, yeah that, you can. That song t- touched me. Um, I told you, the first time I met you, I told you how much that song affected me, um, and hearing your background, I can see where that yeah. came from,
3: you know? Yeah, yeah, it's quite, a it's sort of, um, it, it's funny now, because it, it's more, I like share it with anybody, especially anybody, you know, like, anybody, like, you know, any of my friends, whether they've got... Background from other countries or not, but all of us growing up in London in the seventies was was a, as I'm sure it was any you know you, you know I hear these stories about New York in the seventies and what dangerous you know what I mean? and yeah. Um, yeah and so you know think obviously things sort of evolve I suppose but they particularly culturally in the seventies they were you know. That was it. when I was born. It was only it was seventy one, sixty one. So I was born 71, 61, 51, You know, it was only sort of it was only fifteen years or something after my mum had first come here, and she had. You know, this is the other thing which maybe explains some of the other stuff we were talking about a second ago. Um, mm. up until she was nine, the sort of Catholic, you know, the Christian. Religion, mm-hmm. or, you know, and Jesus and all that was not,
4: mm-hmm. you know,
3: it was they were kind of, they had to do it around the time she was about nine right. years old. It was kind of um, somewhat imposed on her particular village at the time, or whatever. You know, I guess that's how it kind of gets around. You know, I mean, it's yeah, it, probably missionaries you know, or something, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, it, and it's gonna, you know, yeah. if you're, it's like, could you change your culture now, please? <laughs> to do it this way now if that's all right (laughs) yeah Yeah, i always marveled that that's actually the opposite of what jesus did you know what i
4: mean
3: just like so crazy yeah exactly so anyway so you know so she kind of so they did you know i mean they did what they were told and she was always she 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 said to me she found um most aspects of that experience were hard to deal with, as you can imagine. You know, you've got your, sure. you've got your earth goddess and all this kind of stuff, and the old stories of the tortoise and this, and how the world was made, and and then it's this new, then it's this other thing, and you have to do it, you know, and it was a struggle, and you know, people would get punished, you know, for because it, you know, I guess you, punishment tends to Get people in line, if you like. But then she did. She right. she got to Jesus, and she thought, I quite like him
4: though. <laughs> yeah, and so she. So it. that yeah. was that was
3: the that was the like she found that story in Jesus and the way yes. that it was documented and the sort of more. You look at that story, and it has so many applications contextually now you know the rights and wrongs in the world and i guess you know and um, in underneath it all you have this sort of incredible expression of humanity being so mm. capable of so much if if humans would allow themselves to experience it kind of that so was made of her know, yeah yeah, so she was into and she also she he was she liked the fact that he was a rebel, you know, was like he was
4: knocking all the yeah.
3: tables over like I
4: don't wanna table, yeah,
3: yeah. So anyway, so so but you know, so but what it did is it also in a in a deeper way, I suppose, is it allowed her to sort of spiritually reconnect with this new home she'd chosen to go to. Mm. Which connect in a way that connected with everybody else. It resonated with her, you know. Which is a, a very. A, well, I always found that interesting because she, you know, we used to go to church when we were young, and I was like, in the end, I was like, she just didn't make me go, and I thought, mm, wow, well, why wow. didn't she wow. make me go? Like, what's so special about this thing? You know, <laughs> you know, you yeah. kind of, it's like you you get interested because you're sort of not made to do the thing, <clears throat> so. I was I was interested in the fact that I would that was something she didn't feel immediately which didn't want to force it on me as soon as I sort of
4: right.
3: you know at, at a natural age where you know you're hanging out with your mates and you're seven or whatever and you want to go home and do this and football and you know, I want to go to church and and my dad would, when he <laughs> still lived here oh I lived there sorry would be in bed like him I'd say why doesn't he why isn't he going to church and he'd say because I'm an atheist, what's an atheist? Get in the car. like <laughs> wow. you know, you know wow. so they had you know this these two people that brought me here obviously had quite an interesting dynamic, you know, but they they were friends to the they were friends until she passed away, definitely and um yeah, but then we had a lot of experience there was a lot of um yeah a lot of stuff like that, you know, I think my- i you know most friends or brothers or sisters or twins i have got some friends like the stacy's brothers who are twins and they you know they they are intuitive paul and jeremy i do you know we were doing uh gigs they just the covers get playing led zeppelin and stuff we go and play at this place called the 606 club in chelsea that's still kind of the same way and it's just just about live music it's nothing fancy down there just some good vibe and some interesting characters it's a kind of private club or whatever <laughs> We would play. It would be me, Jeremy on drums, Paul on guitar, me on on singing, <clears throat> and Mark, their mate, on on bass. And we did, you know, we did this for years. And he didn't drink or do drugs or anything. And one day uh, he, he he fainted. He fainted, he didn't feel well, and he sort of it's like he sort of nearly and It was a bit weird because mm. everybody was worried about. Him. And uh, and we were doing the we were just setting up the gear, and it's like the two of them, Paul and Jeremy, they were like. We need to go, and cause I was thinking, where is? Well, like, it is unusual that Mark's gonna late, uh, and there was just this point where they both left. They like we gotta go, and we went, and we we left all the gear there, and I got in Paul's car. Jeremy had already gone ahead, and um, and he died. He died in his flat. He was just there, like with his feet on the top like with his computer. It's like, um, oh, you know. I will never oh said you know I God. mean it, you know and we had a gig yeah. like it was yeah, yeah. it was so weird. the whole thing was so bizarre and then so we did a skit like well we talked about it we you know we had the police and we had lad, he's there like the doors open and it's just like Mark's gone you know what I mean and uh, in the end we decided to to play. Because everybody was turning up anyway, and we thought we'd tell everybody, and everybody. By the time everybody turned up and we turned up and played, everybody knew, and it was actually a sort of very beautiful oh, kind of outpouring yeah. of love for Mark, you know, because he's such a lovely guy, and and um and then that well, this is the sort of thing that would happen that that night. I woke up in the middle of the night, and I was like thinking. I, I just felt sort of panicked about Mark, you know. We just had this whole thing, yeah. dealt with it all, and obviously it's understandable, you know, you've just lost your friend and you've seen him and it's all a bit weird. Yeah. And then I had a, thing, a feeling that he, um, just a panic about him. So me being me, I I kind of, I went down into the kitchen and I was kind of going, look, Mark, if you're in here, and I was just saying it out loud, cause I'm, I am I'm just thought I'm just going to say it. If you're here, Mark, you know you died and I don't know if you know where you are but you know that's what's happened is what I was I was just felt like saying that out loud you know wow because I don't know you know you hear these things like maybe spirits I've heard you know
4: yeah
3: heard it said that they don't know where they are sometimes you know
4: these
3: places over and over again because something happened and they just didn't get to, to break cycle or whatever it is and uh so I had all that, and I kind of I was down there, and I thought I did feel, you know, it was it, the whole thing was obviously was quite emotional, and I felt, but I did. It was, I mean, I did feel rather ridiculous sitting there on my own in the kitchen, going, "Mark, I, I feel like you're in here, and you're sort of freaking me out because it feels like you're here. So I'm just going to say it. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you died, yeah, totally. and I love you, and you know, you, you're I don't know where you are. You're in another place." And the next day I called up Paul or well, Paul called me up and he was saying I kind of was walking around my studio. I felt like Mark was wandering around in there, lost or something. <laughs> and then oh, with this wow. producer Robin Miller, who was also good friends with Paul and Mark, he's a blind producer. I think you guess he did some stuff sort of with Tears for Fears and these fans, Robin Miller. He'd called up Paul saying, "I think I, I think Mark was in the studio. Like you know, this blind guy. And, uh, it's like he's wandering around all the people he knows, trying to say well, what's, yes.
4: what's going on?'
3: You know. Which I mean, that's how yeah, that's yeah. the sense I would make of it. And you know, all of it, all of that could just be, um, you know, we can't human beings can't see things if they don't know what it is. You know, you you almost have to see right. the thing and be told what it is and. Your brain has to learn how to receive the information that is surrounding you, if you know.
4: It. Yeah,
2: we need like a context to get our mind up. But that, that's, yeah. that's a beautiful story. And that, that, that could be, you know, I believe that that was your friend probably saying goodbye to you guys,
3: you know, uh, um, yeah. in his way. It, well, by the time we'd all talk to each other. Because it was more, I was like, "That was." I, just, I kind of felt like I had a, I'd had an episode because I got that sort of open right. about it. Or one thought is that just me being, I don't know, you know, you just feel these feelings, right. and you don't know if it's like just you because you've ever difficult. The whole thing was very difficult for everyone, and then everybody else had this exactly the same thing.
2: And back to your original point about the cultures and stuff, there are some places mm. and stuff, you know, like we in the Western world tend to take something like that and go, well, it's just me being weird because he just died. And I'm just, it was just my and We always got to qualify it and almost dismiss it yeah. to make ourselves comfortable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, whereas
3: it's, it doesn't have to be as sort of, you know, we learned how to describe things in this way, didn't we? You know, before that we just were experiencing right. the things. I mean, But, you know, I remember having a dream, you know, my mum would be wailing in her sleep. I'd come back from the pub or sneaking in, you know, hanging out (laughs) with my mates. And she'd be, I'd hear her wailing in in her sleep. And, you know, I remember having a dream one night where my dad's father, John, it's like I had this dream that... I'd gone up to their door, you know, to my mum's door. Like that bit where the nowhere man is in the yellow submarine and it's like there's nothing, you know, there's there's no floor or anything. And my mum and dad were sort of sitting on these chairs and my grandpa, he was sort of, I couldn't hear, there was no sound, but he was sort of gesticulating, like kind of explaining himself and looking all stressed and they were looking sort of angry sitting on the chair, like, go on then, why did you... Do whatever you did, and that was the vibe of the dream, and it seemed extremely clear. And then in the morning, my mum said, "Oh, John was here last night talking to me and going on about your father and like, you know, <laughs> the first <laughs> yeah. one, Matty, check this out, right? Oh, when I was about, when I was, the first time I ever smoked, I've, I've managed to stay off the cigarettes now for a few years for the." 15th set of years in a row, so um, I'm not making any promises. But (laughs) I probably I was about nine when me and my mate Scott nicked like you would you get consulate these sort of minty cigarettes like this This, that's what his mum's might say he nicked one. We did the paper round and about you know nine in the morning we snuck into the alleyway and like got nicked a lighter and we lit it. We just like. Sucked into our cheek, sort of thing. Like, oh my god, we're smoking a
4: cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> and then immediately after
3: one, we had a whole packet of mints each.
4: Like, <laughs> brushed our
3: teeth, and we felt like, wow, we just smoked a cigarette. And I went home by about ten. You know, sort of nine thirty, ten. And my mum was at the, the time; she was still kind of asleep in her in a uh, bedroom on the Saturday at that age. Mm. She, I, I knocked on the door. I was going to ask if she wanted a cup of tea. Like, you know, Mum, you know, and she was like, "Oh, John, oh, I just had a dream that you and Scott were in the alleyway smoking cigarettes."
4: Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> it's
3: like that moment in the film <laughs> where all the background moves and it's like, "Oh, and you're sweating." Suddenly, that that sort of thing would happen a lot. She would, we would be sitting at dinner, and she'd be like what is it now and then start walking to the phone and then the phone would start ringing as she got to it <laughs> Dennis what is it
0: blah, blah 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 and start shouting at her brother like uh, another f***ing pickup god damn it. oh shit we're recording want to go deeper into the mystery get the book *Monsterland: encounters with ufos bigfoot and orange orbs by ronnie leblanc available now on amazon barnes and noble and everywhere fine books are sold
1: you and i have
2: another synchronicity then because my mother passed and i talk about it on the podcast all the time probably to uh, the listeners uh, chagrin but she passed three years ago and uh,
4: she has
2: contacted me through dreams in mm. fact um one of the most powerful things that happened is she showed me, so I had a dream. She was showing me something. I won't get into the details, but she was showing me something. And when I saw the scene in the dream, I was filled with great empathy for that person. And I kind of saw their side of things, you know, that type of thing. And I woke up in the in the next morning, my, my sister in the middle of the night, while I was having that dream, probably, was texting me uh, basically screenshots of the person doing what my mother showed me they were doing. Yeah. So while I was sleeping, this was going on. Do you follow? So well, yes, I had proof yeah, in yeah, my yeah, hand. Yeah. Yes. I right. had proof in my hand that, yeah, what my mother was showing me was actually happening. <clears throat> it wasn't just a, a metaphor. Mm-hmm. I, I woke up thinking it was a metaphor that she was showing me the person's point of view so that I understand them. But no, no, no. I was seeing what that person was doing that night and my mother, you know, guided by my mother in this dream.
4: So yes, yeah, I yeah. think w-
2: whatever the rules are on the other side, they seem to be able to, that's one huge way they seem to be able to come to us through dreams. And it seems like your mother had a little bit of that in her life, even here,
3: you know, prophetic dreams. Envisioned. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I do wonder as well sometimes, mate, if, um, you know, A recent thing I had, I mean, this is, you know, I I, I do, there is a sort of, there's a part of me wants to sort of break it down, you know what I mean? And there's Mm -hmm. things you can't break down, you just, things you just experience or don't or whatever. One thing that made me think about it in a slightly different way was when that um, Las Vegas shooting happened, that morning... Like I'd had a, I woke. I had a really vivid dream um, that I was in a crowd, and that pe- there were these people shooting, in, and it was everybody was panicking oh in the crowd, and it was like I was really panicking. And then, and then, you know, like in a dream, you can kind of slip from, you know, suddenly you're like this other person. You can just, I mean, it's amazing mm. actually. Some of the sort of ex- changes of scenery you can have instantaneously yeah. in a dream, and. So I was, spent ages panicking in the middle of this. sort of, There was like somebody, everybody was screaming and panicking about guns and somebody was firing or whatever. And then I was in a house, like I was, a, you know, like one of these officers or whatever, you know, armed officer. And we were getting a briefing from this guy who was in a suit and he was saying, it was like he was saying, you know, you lot upstairs. You lot down there. You like we're in the building. He's in here somewhere. And then, so we all went out and we had our helmets on and we were all running around the house, like oh my going in the doors, check, checking these rooms. So it was like we cleared the building or whatever, and all everybody was all relieved. And then we looked up and a guy walked, start, walked down the stairs with a with a gun and a vest on, which is a bit oh. weird. He had like a sort of street vest.
4: <laughs> but shit.
3: i i i was so panicked that somebody suddenly walked down and it was like there was a ribbon on the side and it was like the guy with the suit had disappeared and then this gunman walked down the stairs and we were all not ready suddenly because we'd taken our hats off you know um <sighs> and then as of, as of you know before we got isaac to school they said there's been this shooting and there were all these people in the crowd and there were, everything about it yes. fitted it kind of fitted it's yes. like yes. you know you you symbols of strong for humans yes. aren't they because they can contain all this information yeah. like like music does you know you can try and learn mm. one plus one is this and you know counting but yeah 10 9 8 7 6 5 4 3 2 1 one, two, three, you know, from Sesame So you hear it once <laughs> and for, it, for the rest of your life. <laughs> it's like in one go, yeah. you know, it's in there forever. So right, right. we obviously have this ability.
2: That's actually a great segue into something I want to ask you about too, this whole, mm. the, and by the way, let me just say too, I know the feeling uh, of waking up after having a predictive dream, even if it's not specific, I know that feeling. It's like this. Yeah. Cold, sick, like, wait a second. You're almost confused. Wait, I dreamed this. Wait. Oh, a, that's a, what I meant a... to
3: say to you. Sorry, mate. Sorry, interrupt. Yes. Don't forget what you were about to say. The reason I said that to you no. is it made me think you know what? Like, I don't know what Wi Fi looks like, but apparently all our thoughts have sort of waveforms, you know? They have physical
4: mm-hmm.
3: emanations from our thoughts. Energy is an outward emanation into the environment that is, has a sort of measurable brain pulse or whatever. And I thought, you know, certain that they can use. I mean, you know, you hear stories about <clears throat> using Wi-Fi like seismic ground radar. You know, they can use it in a similar yes. way. They use it to map the yes. insides of things from the satellite and it, you yeah, know, underground
2: you get images. Yeah, underground, and underground,
3: and you, you know, you these these waves penetrate everything so therefore you can get perfect um, definition i thought to myself maybe you know that that news would have been flying around the world via that medium for at least you know i mean if i woke up at seven eight you know for at least i don't know a few hours or whatever before i'd woken up and i thought oh maybe is it like you can just sort of slip into somebody else's wave.
4: <laughs> yeah, you know?
3: well,
2: I mean, look, look at the radio that we listen to. to you know, the, yeah. the music listen to yeah. with the radio, it's it's just out there in the ether, and you have to turn on that yeah. tuner called exactly. the radio, right? Yeah. I mean, Omission, your, your song Omission is playing yeah. right now, right around my head somewhere, and all I have to do is to turn yeah. on the
3: Turn right on the thing, channel, and there it and is. Yeah. yeah,
4: yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: Less kind of paranormal, quote-unquote, and more just... It's energy that certain people can pick up on. Now, let me ask you this. So that that fits into the whole thing of of what we were talking about on the podcast is that creative people, right-brained people seem to have these experiences, I I don't know, at a higher rate, but it seems to be a higher proportional rate than the rest of society. (laughs) And do you give any credence to the fact that your mind works differently, that your creative mind works differently, and that you might be more open to these type of things?
3: maybe that we allow it to be like that i suppose i suppose we allow it to be i I feel more that we allow you know when you 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 talk to kids about this sort of stuff they're like Mm -hmm. it's like they've got no fear it's just and they you they can imagine every single thing that you say and it's very strong and they have their own experiences like again i had um our oldest he's 21 days down in exeter doing archaeology but he when my grandmother died my swedish grandma my mum, my dad's mum. uh you know i had one of these dreams that she was sort of frowning like kind of pointing her finger and again there's not like there's sound but it, the, the the message i got was like oh it's my grandma like right? and and it was like you got to talk to your brother was the sort of vibe i got you need to talk to her your... and i've got a you know, <clears throat> myself, and my older brother. You know, we've had our issues over the years, and um, sure. and and it would that was kind of you know it was appropriate at that time, and you know we'd seen each other for right. a long time, and as things needed to be sorted out, and mm-hmm. I woke up, and Harry, who was far, I guess he was five or four or five or something, I could hear him pottering around with his Lego, and it's like,
4: what's he doing up?
3: At, you know, like in the middle of the night. And I went to her, Harry, you know, you got to go to bed. What are you doing? He said, oh, I was just talking to Kaiser. Like that's my grandmother's name, K-A-J-S-A. Oh. And
4: uh,
3: oh. I was like, okay, well, maybe you should just go to bed. <laughs> And he was like, okay, "Oh my daddy. god!" <laughs> oh you know, I mean, Jesus. there's nothing you can do about that, Jesus. and your dad, and you're trying to no. keep it together. Do you know what I mean? Like, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I love it. Yeah. I love the fact that that's you know, and there's many more. You know, I I think with, with your last
4: yeah.
3: thing you said, it's it's almost more that we if we open up to it, it's like it's like mm-hmm. dreaming in a way, really, when I think of dreaming, I mean, I kind of apply dreams to my experience of what I see as being awake. But, you know, as an actual experience that we could probably all agree on, when you're in the middle of it, you don't usually think, I mean, sometimes I've had experiences where I know that I'm dreaming and I experienced the sort of deep, you know, color and uh, all this sort of sensation, you know, like, because I'm like, oh my God, I'm actually here. Like, I'm sort of aware that I'm dreaming or something. And you can almost kind of control it a bit. But generally speaking, when you have a dream, you're just, you know, even if one minute you're you, and then you're just somebody that you've never even heard of before, and you're doing something totally weird. (laughs) it's, It's like... You when you something if something goes wrong you're panicking like it's it's not it's real you know <laughs> it, yeah, I only yeah. know it's a dream when I yeah, wake up. Yeah.
2: How about when you're writing like you you just mentioned that last sentence open up by the way one of my favorite songs on the record. Um, <laughs> uh, do you do you do you feel like is it is it elbow grease for you you know you hammer up or do you feel like it kind of comes from somewhere else? Do you open yourself up to things like that when you're writing music specifically?
3: Yeah, I think, you know, musicians, we sort of slightly trivialize that element a bit, a little bit like, well, there's only three chords, aren't there? I mean, they're the same. There's only so many notes, you know, like in in conversation. But really that's emphasizing the idea that even with this sort of extremely limited palette, all of this music's been made for you, like Bark and Hendrix and all that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. like, you yeah. know what I mean? So maybe maybe the, the just allow, you know, when we allow us, it's like, you know, most people, well, living in London anyway, you know, generally speaking, people get up in the morning and straight, bang, people are noisy and they're banging their car horn and sw- shouting in the yeah. morning and everyone's trying to get to school and this and then it calms down around right. eleven and then there's a rush hour and blah, you know, like people go crazy again. And you know, it's like you can sort of phase things in and out with your mind, that can't you? You know, it's like yeah, if you yeah. if you if you get stressed enough, that's all that exists. And then if you sort of can <laughs> phase focus past the stress, or just like you know, breathe deep mm. and don't punch the wall and just go and look, you know, mm. like Rich is always saying about the, with Diani's family that they, they'll take the hyper kids and they'll get them to they'll make them take their shoes off and go and stand on a rock or something, or just go and run around without your shoes on. And you just immediately sort of get earthed and get it does it work. Yeah, it's yeah. like you take your shoes off and you yeah. walk around on the grass and you just kind of fight reconnect that's why music helps because you've got the you've got the sort of the frequency of these held notes and chords and vibration of the guitars and the drums and rhythm and the hypnosis of the rhythm and so you know it allows it it encourages us to step out of that daily cycle i mean it's just one thing that encourages us i enjoy it and you know like it to just step out of that cycle and then allow yourself to sort of not think, go with your more instinctive fluid motion, which is mm. you know you know it's just like a sort of constantly constantly vibrating thing that will fit if you don't put it you know we' we're very we're very i feel like we're very adaptable, you know and we that we have only barely scratch the surface even at this point in whatever time is of what we are actually capable as human beings i think unless i'm totally wrong and it's really boring and we just die and there's
4: nothing (laughs) 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 well i think this conversation has proved
2: We've
3: had enough evidence between our mothers that that is not the case. Yeah, I mean it's you know I, however that works. You know when you start when you're getting. I mean I had I had dreams about my mum before she died and after, and I've had the experiences where I've been with Jerson's mum and things have moved in the kitchen with this sort of like
4: mm. kind
3: of attitude problem.
4: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <much better. laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, and it's you just oh. think, wow. You know, whether even if we make that happen because of that connection. I mean, however you look at it, whatever way I try and rationalize yeah. it, it's, it's yeah beyond magic. It's 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 an eternal right. exactly. connection because you know i can still feel it now just talking to you about it you know i can you know, when you talk to me about your mum and i think about my life, i think it's you know it doesn't really go anywhere does it? it stays it's still the feeling around me is still the same you know it seems easier to talk about it with it, without trying to explain it in a way, doesn't it? You know, to just yeah. share it—it's like yeah. sharing it, sharing the experience, and going, "God, that something like that happened to me." You know, like that's so yes. great. You know, it's like that's almost more important yes. than what you're sharing—is the fact that you can connect. It's like that grounding. It is. I because I've I've stopped. I've
2: stopped. Like I won't. I won't debate it with people anymore. I won't try to convince people. No, I'm just yeah, into right. having
3: conversations like this.
2: You know, yeah. like, I just want
3: to talk to people who. <laughs> you know, you don't have to go through all that. It doesn't. It doesn't. You know, the only reason there's a debate is because there's either a misunderstanding. You know, or somebody doesn't believe in it or something, or or they don't. They're not comfortable. Right. You know, most of the time for me right. in my life, I, the, some of the experiences I've had that I've ended up sharing with people. You know, stuff you see, like right. that. You just see. <laughs> that apparently isn't supposed to be there or whatever you know people right. every, people have all kinds of experiences through their life that, that that are that you would have have to class as uh i better not talk about that at work or whatever you know because it'll take the piss yeah, out of yeah, or exactly. i don't or i don't know what it is yeah. you know i don't know i don't understand why that happened and it can be quite I feel grateful to my mum because I don't feel stressed by some of the things that I've experienced, and some of them, they don't, they're not, e- they're not easy to sort of rationalise or deal with. as I'm sure,
4: mm. for you.
3: you know, like well, this is why you're yeah. talking to people about it because you're, you're actually helping. It's definitely helping me, and you're helping everybody you talk to to be able to just. About this stuff like is it really can i actually talk about it and you don't need to know what it is it's just something that happened you know and it's it means deeply something very real i mean my mum had this i mean i've probably told you this when we met um before but when she was in africa she and this is before this was before um this was before, you know, they they had to kind of uh, do the Christian thing. Um, yeah, she'd seen this being. She said in the in the in the garden, you know, like in the yam plants, like outside the uh, the hut, the house or whatever, or the kitchen, and it was my dad, my sort of dad I'm an atheist dad like who said you should talk to your mum about it. she said she saw, saw an angel so I was like what and when I got oh older God. I asked her about it because I saw some you know you you go through a bit of life and you start having some experiences and you start kind of remembering things and thinking and you start talking to your yeah, brother yeah. Um. she saw this being she said she I mean she told me she said she sort of grew up and she said, Grandma, like she really said, as much as you are all my children, I swear she was in the garden. And I was like, I believe you, Mum. I believe you. Like, well, what did, what did she look wow. like? And she was saying, well, I think it was a she. I, it felt like a she. <laughs> wow. <laughs> she said, and she made me feel wow. so important. She was just there. Like, she made me feel so special. I, lo- I loved it. It felt incredible. And she said, "You know how bright it is and how hot and bright it is in Nigeria. I've only been a couple of times, oh. in a village, but you know, it's fucking not like, like South Carolina. You know what I mean?" And uh, yeah, John, I'm uh, Irish and from Boston. I could, I would. <laughs> <there. laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and she said, you know. It just stayed there and she could just see it and it was she said it was like it was brighter than the sun, she said. Was, I, she said, I know that doesn't sound right, but it was she was so beautiful this I said, What did she look like? She said, I don't really know, but I think it was a she, you know. <laughs> sounds like a Marian
2: apparition. It sounds exactly what like in Medjugorje and Lords, and it sounds like a Marian apparition, you know, like that's how people yeah. describe it. Writer than the, and then her, her later connection with Jesus, isn't that kind of funny? I wonder
3: if it was Well, that. this is, you know, and this is the thing, it's like, so I'm trying to be sort of practical about it, because, you know, I just wanted to play football, do wheelies, and jump <laughs> off things, and <laughs> smash my face in jumping off roofs, you know, and uh, so, but in the background, all this stuff's going on, and then, you know, you factor in, like, sort of the dreams yeah. start happening, and then, you know, you start sort of, you walk in along with your mates, and you just say something, and it's like... They look at you like they were thinking it, but you said the answer. I mean, it's probably a lot simpler than we, than we make it sound. Hmm. You know, like that's that's hmm. my instinct is that this is really we can all do that. I mean, yeah. it kind of gets a little bit but, creepy. I, I was reading this thing about the guy. There was a guy. Sorry to interrupt you again, mate. This is just going to be me oh, interrupting no. you. Look, this is terrible. <laughs> hey, but, I'm interviewing you, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. This is John Hogg, not the
2: Maddie Bial. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so,
3: okay, after the break we got coming up me. <laughs> but um <laughs> yeah, so they put the you know the guy who I guess it was the guy I mean i this is as I remember who who he was experimenting or invented those pads that you put on for the for the you know, like the lie detector. And he was putting them on plants and he was reading I mean he was <laughs> just they would put fire near the plant and it would go like and this
4: I just,
3: oh mm-hmm. oh mm-hmm. no, and it can't, it can't say anything. It's just like, yeah.
4: <laughs> yep you
3: know? Yep. And I was like, oh my god. And they would, he would say things that they would say, love, you, I love you, you know. And it would talk, talk in you. loving like, ways to the plants, yeah. Yes, and then they'd that. say, I hate you, know, you, you know. And, yes. and it would, it would do the thing. He and he, because he had the the pads on it, so he was checking its
4: pulse <sighs> or whatever,
3: you know, like. So I definitely, I'm always very, very friendly to the plants. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> but I
2: guess, I guess that goes back. All this, all this circles back to what we started this with. And I'll, I'll let you go. Cause it's like fucking three in the morning there in England. But uh, it circles back to you mentioned where we come from. You know, like cultures or where you come from, not even cultures, mm. but where you come from make you. And again, another synchronicity, like. If you grow up in an environment like you did, with a mother like you had, um, mm-hmm. and like I had a grandmother who, who talked about her mother's prophetic dreams back in Ireland, you know, how could we not grow up thinking like
3: this, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. As a father, when you first see the baby, it's like, I just, every oh. single time, the, the thing with me, we, we got three, and every one of them is like, Oh, that's what you look like. It's like I sort of knew you were going to look like that or something. It's like, I know oh. you. I know, and you've been talking yeah. to them, obviously. You know, we've been there with each other yes. know, through the tummy or whatever. But, but like you see really? the face and it's always like, yeah, it makes sense. It's like it, it's the things that you can't really be taught. You can only know.
2: John, I, I I can't thank you enough for doing oh, this. Um, it's lovely to I talk just... to you,
3: Matthew, and it's, <sighs> I think it's really lovely that you're doing it as well, because, we, we, you know what, I just think people, a lot of people have a lot of experiences, be it trauma, you know, loss, mm-hmm. sadness, you know, weird dreams, kind of, you know, post-traumatic stress, you know, abuse things. Like, you know, there's a lot of stuff goes on that makes up a person as they get to the sort of apex of life. And and it's really a good thing to help them to share it, which is what you're doing. So thank you. Yeah.
2: Well, have a safe safe, space to talk about it in and not be... Not be uh you know ridiculed or judged, or uh, they can you know just just talk about their experiences and and you know it's people like you who give us context to be able to put things like that through your music you know like you've your music has and i mean yours i, I mm. mean yours like your i yeah, i' I've, yeah. I've now deep dived into your catalog, and I've just been so inspired and moved and um if I could make a living by touring around and watching you sing,
3: I'd do it.
4: Well, you um, you be
3: the drummer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, talk about paranormal activity? Holy <laughs> yeah. shit! Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: what is next, John? Uh, what's next for the band? What do you, what do you guys? Uh, oh
3: man, I'm telling you, Matt. Like some of the songs that we've got coming up for this next album it's great i'm so excited about it but I, you know i just you you'll you'll definitely hear it it's great rich is right rich has written some really beautiful things and we've got to write some beautiful oh. things together and it's just you know marks on fire it's just very exciting so looking forward to it. it's it's basically i guess you know september or something maybe you know Okay. September, I reckon it'll be all sort of ready to go? I, Rich is, pr- I would imagine he's. We've been doing, we've been doing. We're always kind of working on something extra, like be, you know, just there's always some music that we can right. keep on working on because it's just part of the process. But right. <clears throat> you know, he's he might be in artwork mode. I would have thought possibly at the moment. Mm. Like, every, gotcha. he's, well, actually, he's always in everything mode, but I imagine that's. You know, kind of where his brain's going to be out with it but it, that's what's coming up it's just some I'm so excited about the music Matt I can't wait for you to hear it oh,
4: yeah
2: it's just it's been such a gift in my life and my family's life and I thank you for it I can't thank you enough John and, and
3: I, I can't wait to talk to you, to you again Matthew, yeah yeah no thank you for setting up and I look forward to seeing you when we get out there again all right. I'll, I'll see you backstage. <laughs> All right. Take care, man.
0: Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Monsterland Podcast. If you or someone you know has an experience to share or if you have questions, you can reach us at monsterlandreport at gmail.com. Find us on social media at Pod. Until we meet again in Monsterland.